I'm Tony Hines, and you're listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast about everything for supply chain advantage. So let's begin. We like to spot trends and we like to make lists. So here's my list of 10 supply chain trends creating supply chain advantage in 2021. At number one, develop resilient supply chains. All supply chains have to learn how to cope with disruption during the pandemic. Supply chain professionals have learned what it means to have resilient supply chains more than ever. First of all, we had shortages of personal protective equipment, PPE, for frontline workers in health and emergency services. Supply chains were already stretched because of the pandemic closing plants, lowering manufacturing capacity around the globe as the number of COVID-19 infections increased. Demand exceeded supply in nearly every category of PPE, and for specialist equipment needed to fight infections and save lives, such as ventilators, medicines, and specialist equipment for this deadliest of viruses. Many supply chain professionals had plans in place to increase resilience within their own supply chains prior to the pandemic and had taken steps to become more agile in response to threats posed from the external environment. During the last 18 months or more, we've seen that interest in resilience move it right up the list to number one for most supply chain strategies. One of the first policy initiatives introduced by the Biden administration in the United States was to set resilience as the number one goal to ensure that U.S. citizens would continue to be protected from disruptions to their normal lives as much as possible. One outcome from this policy has been to set up a supply chain disruption task force to examine mismatches between supply and demand. Global supply chains have faced many disruptions threatening their functionality. These include natural disasters related to volcanic eruptions and ash clouds. Tsunamis have destroyed vital communities and infrastructure, forest fires due to climate change, and crop failures around the globe. Human activity has also impacted supply chains in the form of increasing industrialization and the plastic waste that now litters the bottoms of many oceans. The impact on the planet has been immense. For example, deforestation in the Amazon rainforest and elsewhere with the growth of intensive farming, meat production, palm oil production, and other products to meet growing global demand for food. River and sea pollution with much plastic waste deposits, chemicals destroying the natural ecosystems have also contributed to this impact. Then there are many large container ships discharging boxes or sinking on their journeys to bring goods to destination ports with oil deposits, chemical discharges such as the nitric acid and oil from the Express Pearl off the coast of Sri Lanka destroying the sea life and surrounding beach communities. Not to mention the damage caused to life in the oceans. 
We also had the Evergreen ship blocking sewers and many other casualties of normal distribution being held up for ransom payments off the coast of Africa. As bridges, roads, railways, airports and vital infrastructure are destroyed either by natural disasters or wars, this too adds to pressures on global supply chains. The need for supply chain professionals to employ strategies to minimise the impact of disruption is paramount. Resilience to bounce back from any disaster is a necessary requirement for the smooth operation of supply chains, and it's for this reason I place this as my number one priority in the trends identified in 2021. Digital transformation in supply chains is number two. It's a process that continues. It's not an event that happens like some people appear to think. We know that most Big Bang-type projects in information technology turn out to be disastrous. But we also know that not to change technology when it's needed is equally bad. There is a need to improve technology and its application to supply chain activities to enhance the customer experience and to make the networks efficient. Digital transformation has the potential to improve supply chain visibility and transparency at a stroke of a key. Digital transformation is necessary to improve every aspect of the supply chain and the customer experience. In other words, the end-to-end supply chain needs to be digital. So from sourcing and procurement through to the end of life recycling, digital everything helps synchronization, efficiency, effectiveness in meeting customer demand. It helps visibility and transparency through the chain. It adds value for all partners in the chain, and it makes all processes easier to manage. It facilitates omni-channel activities and it helps supply chain managers stay in control. The applications of artificial intelligence, machine learning and cloud computing combined have changed the way in which digital business is now conducted, opening up further possibilities for supply chain improvements to make them more efficient and effective. This is why digital transformation is my number two to achieve supply chain advantage. At number three, sustainable supply chains. Sustainability has moved up everybody's agenda during recent years. Sustainability permeates every aspect of the supply chain from the sourcing of products from sustainable sources through to the transport choices made for the fulfilment of orders. The circular economy is a mantra, it's a movement, and most of all, it's a sensible choice to make. It's difficult to ignore sustainability for even the most hardened denier of the need to be sustainable in everything we do. If we want to preserve the planet for future generations, there is a need for everyone to make choices that achieve that goal. There is a need to transform from the make and dispose consumer society that developed during the past century to a more responsible approach of preserving the Earth's resources for those future generations. We all have our part to play, designing out waste and making choices that eliminate or reduce the impact of pollution on the planet and the communities. In my conceptualization of the circular sustainable supply chain, there are four layers and they are interrelated. At a microeconomic level, the firms at the centre make independent choices of how to source, extract, harvest, procure and apply resources for their production systems. At this point, the choices they make will affect every other part of the system. The second layer contains the various processes moving resources through production, distribution and consumption. And it's a role for government 
to regulate those movements too. The third layer shows the end-to-end cycles within the supply chain system from procurement through to regeneration. The outer layer shows the information flows and the money flows necessary to create transparency in the supply chain system. With digital systems, it's much easier than it ever was to keep track of movements within the total supply system with sensors, radio frequency identity tags, barcoding and mobile apps. Each part is connected to the whole system. This provides opportunities to achieve supply chain advantage that could only be imagined by previous generations of supply chain professionals. Visibility and transparency is our next item on the list. Visibility means the supply chains are no longer opaque and we can know with a degree of certainty what there is and where it's located in the supply chain. As indicated already, digital technologies have improved this aspect of the supply chain in recent times. Many will recall times when it was difficult to track and trace goods moving through supply chains. Indeed, it was sometimes difficult to find things in a single warehouse prior to the use of barcodes, radio frequency, identity tags, and QR codes. As a distinction is often made between supply chain visibility, which is the ability to know where everything is at a point in time within the system, and transparency, which focuses attention on who you'll share the information with. This latter meaning is important when it comes to which organizations have been granted access to the data. My preference is for open visibility. It benefits all in the long run. There are many stakeholders in supply chain systems that need to be considered. Some stakeholders, of course, will have legal and ethical claims to data held by organizations, and this trend will continue to rise in importance. So devote some mind space to this issue now and ensure that you're ready for the future. We already see retail consumers wanting information about where the food comes from, how it's produced, stored and distributed, in addition to the contents of the pack. And of course, many organizations have created a marketing advantage from offering such information freely. Risk reduction is the next most important item on my list. There are a number of risk reduction strategies employed in the supply chain. Managing inventories is one area where large amounts of value are tied up in working capital. It's always essential to develop strategies that minimize risk in this area. It's one reason, of course, that just in time, inventory management systems were introduced. Lowering inventories lowers the financial risk from damaging events such as fires or from thefts. Deterioration while holding inventory and storage, scrap, waste, redundant items, and of course obsolescence. Strategies that postpone production until nearer the time that goods are required by customers also reduces this risk. This has to be balanced against stockouts and shortages that might occur from any of the risk reduction strategies employed. Speed at which goods move through supply chains has always improved performance. It satisfies customers and it reduces the risks involved not only in holding inventories longer than necessary, but in speeding up the production to payment cycle, which means cash flows are improved, which benefits all supply chain partners. Agility and flexibility are two elements to improve supply chain risk profiles. 
This assumes that supply chains are agile and will be able to respond to changes in demand and flexibility is the ability to move resources and production capabilities to do that. Agility enables effective supply chains to respond to changing conditions, however they might arise. The reason I put lean alongside risk reduction is because it's the classic risk reduction strategy. If you're able to operate a lean system, it means that you're not overcommitting resources to any single category. Lower running costs and increased profitability are the usual outcome of adopting lean strategies, so long as you still have the capabilities to deliver the customer promise. Lean eliminates seven types of waste identified by Ono in the Toyota manufacturing system, and Womack and Jones talked about letting the customer pull value from the system, encouraging organizations to be lean. Put differently, the customer ain't going to pay for bloated production systems. It relies on having a good demand information system and to allow that system to flow freely from production to the customer. The reason it's identified as a trend for 2021 is because many organizations are financially stressed by the pandemic and it's an important means of conserving resources if you can lower risk and save money tied up in working capital that may be applied elsewhere, then it's worth doing. Seeking ways to lower risk must be a priority in uncertain times. The next item I've placed on my list is managing layered complexity. Supply chains are seldom as simple as they might at first appear. They're often complicated and many are complex. In the most complex supply chains, there is a need to think about the layers of complexity and how they can best be managed. If you take an example of one relatively simple chain and compare it with one that is more complex in your own organization, you'll begin to untangle the complexities. One way to think about this is to examine political legal frameworks that your supply chain has to negotiate to be functional. On top of it, you might add ethical environmental and societal influences that add to the complexities of managing the supply chain. Balance this with any technical issues in the chain too. For example, if you're producing, distributing and moving hazardous materials by ship or by road, you'll be aware of the regulatory frameworks and specific legal requirements. But you may also have to consider environmental protest groups, social movements and the broader political climate to organise your business effectively. There may also be ethical considerations and technical handling layers of complexity. This is what I mean by layers of complexity, and it's something that has moved up the agenda. Building capabilities to manage layers of complexity is something that many supply chains need to create advantage in the marketplace. It's closely linked to risk, resilience, and agility. Demand sensing technologies are another important issue. A further justification, if anyone needed to argue that digital transformation is necessary in the supply chain, is the move from traditional forecast to predict demand using time series data to almost real-time data using different mathematical projection techniques. This improves forecasting as it doesn't rely only on historical data to create time series forecasts, which could be very outdated given rapidly changing conditions in demand, product availabilities, changes to product lines, ranges, and other developments. The closer we can move to real-time data, things that are happening right now, we're going to get more accurate forecasting 
of demand. And shorter periods of forecasting are important. It's of little use forecasting for two years ahead and that sort of timescale. We need much shorter timescales to forecast demand. The other important rise up the priority list is contactless commerce. It's emerged as one of the most effective ways to do business during the pandemic. And as we all know, people have embraced the technology to stay in contact and communicate with people around the globe. It's always been a part of business, but it's now much more so. The need to climb on aircraft and go to different places will be vastly reduced as we are able to deal at distance from home and reduce the impact on the planet and so on. The digital tools to conduct contactless commerce are in place and people have had a rapid learning curve during the crash course enforced by COVID-19. This is a trend that will continue to gain growth as people seek to minimise the effects of climate change, the impacts of doing conventional commerce. It's not to say that contactless commerce is going to replace all face-to-face business, because that just won't happen. People will still always want to do business in person. It will remain a part of the repertoire of doing business and managing global supply chains. In the past year, we've also witnessed the increasing threat from cyber criminals attacking companies to disrupt supply chains. These threats often demand ransom payments, destroy or steal assets, and incidents such as the colonial oil events in the United States. The threats are existential in nature. They are one reason that the US president wants US supply chains to become more resilient. Cybersecurity, of course, will become even more important as digital transformation takes place in many supply chains and the need to protect cloud computing data and systems from attack is becoming more paramount. Interestingly, in the last week or so, I've been reading about Apple making their platforms more secure in the way they handle people's data. And that's, of course, a move against Facebook, which they see as less secure with its advertising platforms. But it remains to be seen how the technologies will move and ensure that they are not the subject of attack. Just as criminals operate in physical life, they will operate in digital life. So it's about being smarter, being organised and ensuring that you can lock them out. So taking preventative measures to do that is essential. And that's where the use of technology such as the blockchain will be a key part of any prevention. And the use of artificial intelligence, of course, to also understand how attacks are getting through any system. Number 10 on my list is intermodal logistics. Intermodal logistics is a trend on the rise. We've had multimodal shipping for a long time where there's a single bill of lading and one particular organisation is responsible for the whole organisation of the different transport modes moving 
goods from origin to destination. But intermodal transport logistics has offered some benefits which people value. The advantages to intermodal logistics are associated with the following benefits. The shipper can choose carriers to take advantage of lower rates for each of the transport legs. So when you break them down into, say, five or six separate journeys, you can optimize the value by negotiating separate contracts with each of the five parties that you choose to ship the goods. You gain flexibility and specialized handling of loading and unloading goods at different ports. You can reduce your carbon footprint, which could be very important in today's climate change considerations. And you can then choose environmentally friendly carriers. So you can pick the sort of businesses carefully that you want to do business with. This should help in meeting your targets to lower your carbon footprint. You can increase the security of the products being transported using intermodal logistics. And of course, as a shipper, you've got more access to equipment that can better control capacity and selection of transit schedules. So you've got more control over the whole movement of goods. If you went down the alternative route of multimodal logistics, it's simple because you've got one carrier that handles everything, but you've got no control over any of the costs or any of the systems or providers that they choose in that particular system, or not as much control over it. You do have shipping tracking, of course, which makes it efficient and able to monitor, and you don't have to worry about it once you've put it on the site. They're responsible for moving it from that point through to the final destination. And so it's less hands-on in a multimodal situation. It might save time, and it means that you haven't got the expense of the coordination of the intermodal transport. But I've noticed a lot more people deciding to opt for intermodal transport within the last year or two. Providing them with more choice and control. So that's it for this edition of Chain Reaction. I hope you've enjoyed my list of 10 trends for the supply chain advantage, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. So bye for now. See you next time. You've been listening to Chain Reaction, all about supply chain advantage, written and presented by Tony Hines. Music